Um, I'm here with, so it's another uh, podcast at Quest for Freedom, our conspiracy reality. I've got the great John Sneeson here from uh, The Economic Truth to talk about um, a bit of the craziness that's, that's, that's going on and, and where, where that's going to take us in terms of the future, etc. Um, good afternoon, John. Or It's probably, what, is it morning for you, early morning? Yeah, it's about 6 a.m. here in uh, in uh, the middle of Canada oh, wow. in Winnipeg, uh, close to Winnipeg, Manitoba here. So I hope you got a, yeah. a, a nice cup of coffee there then at this time. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm not a coffee oh. drinker, actually. So uh, I, I got my water. I'm all, all, all good. I've uh, uh, been looking forward to it to uh, speak to somebody in Europe. Uh, I, I do have my family, actually. I'm from Norway, so I do have my family back just uh, north uh, yeah. northeast of you. But... Uh, yeah, it's it's a pleasure being on. James. So you saw, yeah. Well, it, it's um, yeah, it's good because because I've been sort of listening to podcasts for for few years, really. And there's some really really good American ones, you know, Grand America that you were on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but th- there's not a lot from the UK, not a lot from Europe. Um, so um, you know, it, it's good to get a bit of your perspective, etc. But I think. The thing is, at the moment, we're in such a global situation. You know, everything that's happening is happening to different, varying degrees all across the world, isn't it? So I don't know whether that's, I don't know whether that's a good place to start in terms of, um, you know, I think what what what's been so overt in the last sort of eighteen months is how everything's gone lockstep virtually a- across the world, you know, and I think it's sort of, it, it it certainly opened my eyes absolutely to the fact that you know, national governments aren't really necessarily, you know, the people in control to a certain extent. No, 100%. It's uh, it's, uh, it's definitely not the national governments per se that it's in control. Like right now, you see they follow the World Health Organization's, you know, orders on, on uh, COVID-19 uh, regimen, and, you know, well, it comes, comes from mask wearing to social distancing to, you know, anything about the so-called virus. Uh, you will see that they have a unison, you know, approach to it. most countries. Uh, you've seen, you know, the the lockdowns. Uh, you've seen the uh, um, the craziness that uh, Canada and the UK have seen. Uh, uh, I think you guys were in a even stricter lock. Did you guys have curfews in in uh, parts of Britain? Or? We didn't so we didn't have curfews as such, but we did have you know you're only allowed out for really really limited stuff at one point, um, and and it's it's um it, it's interesting you know when I, when I sort of in America what, what does seem to be um, quite different is that actually the states have um, quite a bit of authority on this kind of stuff. That's been the thing that's that 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 I've sort of noticed over the last 18 months. So, you know, there's been some states going going against the grain. I think what's difficult in the UK, there's just no local government power. So it's just yeah. very easy for, um, you know, for the national government to say, this is what the situation is. And, and we don't even have any real, you know, the opposition um, political uh, establishment, a pre- which I think, you know, from what I've heard in Canada is very similar in terms of, you know, they're, they're, they're virtually in lockstep with the government. There's not really, you know, even if there was an election tomorrow, there's not really anybody that you can vote for to have any kind of difference. And I think that's where at least, you know, in, in, in America, 
there seems to be, you know, at least another option out there a little bit, whether or not they're uh, they're, they're still part of the uh, the overall agenda. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's, uh, like, personally, I think that there's no options uh, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're even in the great states of uh, Texas and Florida that is open now in the U.S., uh, there is, you know, a certain extent there, they are still politicians and they're, uh, you know, being politicians, you know, they deal with lobbyists and, and so on there. There's always been like, Texas has always been, you know, like the strongest, uh, you know, freedom loving part in, in America, of course, with, uh, uh, you know, very uh, lax gun rules and, and a lot of personal freedom for people, uh, lower taxes and so on. Uh, but there is, of course, what I've looked at, and it's not necessarily just states or provinces that we got here in Canada or even municipalities that we have. Uh, what I found, it's uh, it's more of a thing where, uh, you know, we base everything on uh, principles that, uh, you know, is uh, governmental. So the government is really uh, like a top-down approach and uh, th- there is... Uh, what could we say? Like, there's no uh, local freedom, uh, especially in in uh, the Commonwealth and and in where I'm from in Norway. Uh, there's not really like they basically told the line of the like the federal government, and um, and when they do that, there's uh, there's not much uh, not not much freedom left, and and that's uh, you know a big problem you see in. Uh, more and more, you know, approach of centralization of services and and governments and and even like we have a conservative government in our province uh, that that we have here in in Canada uh, and the conservative government they implemented, for example, the Ministry of Sustainable Development a couple of uh, years ago, which is basically straight out of Agenda 2030 <laughs> that the UN absolutely has. yeah and. Uh, 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 so, so there's there's no um, there's no difference if there's a uh, local government and uh, problem uh, with the political system too. I tried to, you know, do a little bit of political activity here, and I found out pretty quickly that it's pretty useless to try to do anything. Uh, all the local media comes after you, and all the local political parties and politicians try to sabotage you. Uh, when you do try to, you know, make a change, because I was I, I'm kind of hardcore when it comes to my beliefs i'm what you can call an anarcho-capitalist so i don't want any government uh and i want no rulers over me uh so with with that said you know i was doing things like i want to remove completely the property tax because that's just you know government ownership of property and so on and uh i want to cut taxes in half because you can't say that they can oh i'm going to remove all taxes that will scare a lot of people so go try that and definitely that mess message is not liked very much by the political elite because then they're out of a job and there's no job security for them if they actually had to deal with you know the potential of losing uh their job <laughs> yeah it, it yeah. feels i was sorry john i was just gonna say it feels like sort of you know i, I don't know maybe sort of um uh you, you know when you look back maybe 30 40 years ago you know there's a lot more people sort of getting involved at a community level and all that kind of stuff I think that's a lot less widespread now, at least, you know, in the sort of Western world, et cetera. Um, and it's sort of allowed them to take this top-down approach. And there's, there's not a lot of 
you know, I, I don't even know that there's a lot of resistance at a local level. And it's interesting you were saying there, John, about, you know, trying to go, you know, uh, uh, sort of enter the political establishment. And we, we've had... You know, there's there's, um, uh, and there's a there's a party started up in the UK. I think called the Freedom Party, etc. But the problem the problem is if the mainstream media just ignore that, which is what what they do, then they just don't get any traction whatsoever. And and you know we're we're very similar. You know, it's it's, it's not a dissimilar voting system from yourself from from the you know from the US, etc. In that, you know, it's first past the post, so it's really difficult to be a third political party and get any traction. So it's it, it, it's almost it's almost impossible to. And I, I feel like I don't know what it's like, sort of in, in, in you know where, where you are in Canada, John. But there's there's not a lot of you know when it comes to local politicians, you know. People aren't very uh, engaged in that, so they'll just vote for the main political party, regardless of the individual. Those local politics, whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, it was all, oh, well, the local politician is really good for us, so I'm going to vote for him or whatever. But now it's just they're just voting for the political party, not for the individual. So I think it allows them to just almost do what they want locally or, or, or not do anything at all very, very much locally. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, what, what, what is happening is that they are um, in quite full control over um, most places. What I found, though, is there is pockets uh, rurally uh, on the countryside that actually have politicians that care uh, because they're more, uh, if they grew up locally uh, in a small, you know, area, uh, it's harder for them to get away with stuff than, you know, in a gigantic city, for example. Uh, like London, and and here we got Winnipeg has uh, almost a million people that lives in it. Uh, so it's easier uh, in the cities. And what you see also in the cities is that people get lulled into this like hot <clears throat> on structure where they're you know nanny state almost, uh, where they just want the government to take care of more and more uh, of what they had as freedoms before. Uh, and it's just like a vicious cycle that the government just grows bigger and bigger and bigger in control over the population because the population is willingly given up more of that. And of course, that comes back to the schooling system that we have uh, in both Canada, UK, and most most countries around the world that get taught how great the government is and, and all this propaganda when you're going to the public school system. Uh, so we're getting basically lulled into you know accepting more and more uh, or freedoms taken away and uh, people get lazier and lazier and doesn't want to really do yeah. anything and, and at one point the government gets to that point and, and we really saw it through covid where they were able to shut down the the local economies especially small businesses you know got totally devastated and i think it's a part of a, a grander plan that the world economic forum and the un has uh but it really uh, destroyed people and but People willingly here, you know, we had a program called uh, CERB or CERB, and it was giving people more uh, biweekly than, you know, they got from their minimum wage job. So a lot of people, uh, yeah, wife, absolutely. Runs a business got... and she had a few people yeah, that actually just jumped on that and, and they took that willingly uh, and they, uh, you know, didn't want to work. So they basically been sitting at home yeah. uh, and... and then, you know, take, take the money from the government. And it's almost it's almost we, we, similar thing in the UK. We had like furlough system in the UK, so it sounds pretty similar. And, and 
And actually, the problem is, 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 and we still got it going on now. Is that actually it? People are quite comfortable with it. Well, I mean, you get, you know, and it, it's almost, and then it's been interesting. We've had the furlough system, and then they're doing in Wales. They're actually doing a pilot of a um, uh, universal basic income. Yeah. Uh, uh, thing, which almost follows on, doesn't it? Oh, well, you know, we'll just pay you to. But the the problem is, if people have this view with the government, don't they? Well, I, I certainly don't. But certainly, there's a mainstream view. Well, the government aren't going to do anything really nefarious to you, um, like business, big businesses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the, they're doing it willingly, and they don't understand that it's this dependence on the state is not going to put them in a very good position, and giving more power away to the state doesn't doesn't put the individual in a very good position either. No, it definitely doesn't. And and over time, what it does, it's um, when when you of course have a government that could print currency out of thin air. The problem is that you know they would not you know stay to fiscal responsibility at that time. They would. Uh, just dole up money to get more people to, you know, vote for them and, and to get more uh, people accepting, you know, the the grand scheme of things. And, and you know, what's really funny is during this whole uh, COVID uh, garbage is that you actually have had uh, the politicians have been working <laughs> while they locked every, well, a lot of the, <laughs> the government down and then, of course, their salaries it's, are it's... atrocious a lot. Yeah, it's, I mean, what, what, what's incredible with a lot of the stuff? I mean, you mentioned the World Economic Forum before, but, you know, with politicians and stuff, it's just what, what's incredible is that a lot of the stuff is, is really hidden in plain it's It's really hidden in plain sight. It's really there. The World Economic Forum tells you exactly what they want to do. Um, we've had with politicians, I'm sure, you know, you've had similar things, um, you know, in North America, John, where you've literally got politicians saying, you know, wear a mask and then off camera, you can see them taking the masks off while they're all sat together. And you just it's it's not, you know, it, it's not even hidden that well, but yet just people sort of go along with it. And it's um, yeah, it, 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 it's been quite incredible. I think, you know, I, I've always thought, you know, for a number of years, you know, Clearly, there's corruption. Um, clearly, there's there's you know people pulling the strings, etc. But it's quite overt now, isn't it? It's quite in our faces, I, I think, to, to a certain degree. Well, yeah. What, what has happened is that the polit- uh, political system has created uh, a new type of elite uh, in, in all of our countries that are you know very similar to what the the UK still kind of have, you know, with the yeah. Uh, uh, with the uh, former elites, uh, what, what do you call them now? You know, the Viscounts, the, the oh, parents. the aristocracy, yeah, and, and, aristocracy, it's, and what's incredible, right? yeah, and and John, just just as a bit of, I mean, I I didn't realize. It. I mean, it's an incredible stat that sort of it's it's a third of the land in the UK, a third of the land is still owned by the aristocracy. They are still, you know, it it. it it, it's still because we didn't we never had a revolution so to, to you know so as a consequence you know you still got that but we got you know there's there's plenty of people not everybody but there's plenty of people you know oh i love the royal family and all that kind of stuff and you think that this is exactly what we should be railing against you know it's it's incredible no 100 and what's interesting is that a lot of the the royals are still you know very intertwined for example uh Talking about politics, you know, I don't, I don't know if you remember the UK party. Uh, uh, they're, yeah. they're still around in the UK. I, I don't know how strong they are, but 
what's interesting with the UKIP party as well, you know, you had people in there uh, that really, uh, for example, you got, uh, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with this feller, uh, Christopher Walter Moncton, the third Viscount of Moncton of Brenchley, uh, that, you know, was uh, working uh, in the UKIP party. And he really hated, uh, what's his name, the leader of the UKIP party for a long time there. Um, uh, Nigel Farage. I forgot it. Oh, Nigel Farage. Of yeah, yeah. We tried to bring Nigel Farage over to, uh, I, I run... I started to run something called the Red Pill Expo uh, over in, in the United States together with uh, a guy called G. Edward Griffin um, and, and Freedom Force International. And uh, we actually had uh, uh, Lord Moncton over and and he was talking, uh, you know, uh, about the, the UN and the uh, IPCC and how they weren't, you know, implementing the sun as a measure for um, all the climate change measures and, and, and so on. So he kind of pointed that out and, and really pissed the, the UN off uh, quite a bit. But the problem is uh, when you are a uh, when you are a lord or you're a viscount as, as he was, uh, he had uh, some pretty uh, bad uh, you know behaviors. I, I remember I was hanging out with him for a while and uh, he, he went to the hotel. Uh, to the entrance and, and uh, started yelling at the person be, uh, that, because they hadn't put uh, Viscount of uh, 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 Frenchly uh, yeah, on, uh, on his <laughs> title. So, you know, the, the, those belief systems are still, you know, very, even though he's talking a little bit about freedom over in the UK, he still, as I had this discussion with him, he wanted to ban knives. Uh, in, uh, so he's kind of like, slithering itself in, into the system and then he has his you know top-down total control over the peasants kind of belief system still and he thinks that uh, you know, oh yeah and i mean idiots, you know, that... even though he yeah. has a certain you know view that you know gets perpetrated in, in either media or other otherwise uh so it's <laughs> it's just very interesting to see uh, a lot of people they could look on the surface that they're you know uh, good people, but they still you know have a have a pretty bad belief system. Oh yeah, but I think it's I mean it's interesting, isn't it? I think you know a lot of these you know obviously like BLM and all of that kind of kind of stuff. Um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That you know for, for me the biggest issue is it's that class issue. I mean, yeah. you know we we have. You know, pretty much a two-party system with the the conservatives, which are you know seen as right wing, and then Labour on the left wing. And um, but actually, when you look at a lot of a lot of the sort of certainly the main people within the political parties, they've all gone to the best schools, etc. You know, they've all and and it's noticeable when you look at you know most people in the, a lot of people in the elite. That's the situation, and I think you know it, it's. It, they, they like to sort of divert attention from that kind of thing, as opposed yeah. to where that's re that's really the inequality. It's that inequality of opportunity that if you don't, if you don't, you, you know, you, you've got a massive advantage if you've gone to the right schools, et cetera, et cetera, over other people, you know, and it's and none of that is on merit. And that is, a, you know, that's a big issue in Britain because we haven't had that revolution. And that is, you know, there is still very much a, 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 a lot of that going on, basically. Yeah, that's that's you know what the United States is really great for is that they actually have that uh, economic freedom for you to do the you know start those businesses and really, uh, really succeed on the uh, on the side. 
there's a lot of mobility where you could you know uh, jump from job to job like here here as you said you know it's a uh, but it, even in the united states so on the academic side of things uh when it comes to you know the top people in politics or, or wherever they are uh they're really creating an academic elite you know that yeah. are uh, in control of everything and then Uh, and their beliefs is that they're better than uh, the peasants because they know better. Uh, and, you know, peasants needs to be controlled. We need to have this total central control in order to, you know, keep uh, anybody from rising up and, and stopping the government from, you know, being able to uh, control people. So it's it's uh, it's a pretty sad thing to watch that. Uh, Uh, but the problem is we got taught this in school. You know, it's, uh, the schools are corrupted. They're just propaganda arms of the government, right? So you don't get taught in school, you know, how the monetary system works or how to start a business and, and all this stuff. You just get taught to be an obedient uh, peasant that works for a big uh, corporation. Oh, absolutely. When I, when, I, when I was at school, John, virtually no one ever suggested, you know, why don't you set up your own business? You know, no, no one suggested that. That wasn't almost, you know, that was a, a, a bit of a pie in the sky thing for people to, to, to do, really. And, but I think with the educational system, it's sort of, um, you know, it, it's, it's got worse and worse, hasn't it, in terms yeah. of being told you know i i think you know when i was at school I and mean, i'm i'm in my 40s now john and and when i was at school you know you're still encouraged to you know critically think to some extent um but it, it feels now no this is the facts and this is what you've got to believe and it's um um it, it's in fact i think you know certainly over recent years and like accelerating the last 18 months there is this um this this massive attack on debate or free speech and 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 you know be, we've sort of been told what to think by the mainstream media i mean in a, in a way that in a way that's massively unprecedented you know there is there is no you know when we talk you know in terms of now for example with the vaccination thing there is literally nobody in the mainstream even questioning Um, you know, the efficacies or the dangers of the vaccine whatsoever in the UK in the mainstream. None whatsoever. They're, they're, it's pretty no, much it's a, a taboo subject to do that. And it's everywhere. It's all around the world. Like whatever media you're looking at, you know, if you look at uh, yeah. media from Asia or if you look at media from uh, North America or from Europe, they're all the same or even Africa. You know, they, uh, they don't question yeah. anything that's happening. Uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, how, how do you dare question, you know, the uh, the vaccine itself and, and that it could necessarily, you know, not be as effective and that'd be outright dangerous <laughs> for people. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what's incredible, though, John, is how, you know, I, I, what has surprised me massively. It's almost, you know, what I've understood over the last 18 months, which I didn't understand before, is how in Germany in the, you know, Germany in the 30s that actually people went along with this stuff and that obviously you know all the camps etc that was an end point of everything but you see how people will just go along with anything and i've been i've been really shocked actually at how people have gone along with stuff that that really i don't think you need to critically think massively to realize with a lot of these subjects these things aren't making sense and these things are very biased we're not seeing the other point of view etc i don't think it takes no, you know a massive amount of intelligence to do it 
but um but but yeah it's it's just I've, I've been really really surprised and shocked how people have gone along with it yeah it's totally like non-existent and as soon as you put on any mainstream media here in canada as well or in norway uh it's just vaccines 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 <clears throat> definitely and, uh get the vaccine and then uh more is like you're uh you're a uh, uh danger to society if you don't take the vaccine you know it's constant propaganda from the, the government what Absolutely. is interesting with though, no yeah go ahead no no i was going to say just with no basis in you know because the whole point of being if you're unvaccinated is if you believe what they actually tell you if you're unvaccinated you're only a risk to yourself aren't you, <laughs> you know? well yeah that's that's how it should work that's how it worked anyways pre-covid uh but it seems to have like been thrown out of the door uh, like any any type of modern uh medicine so uh, but uh, we know where it comes from it's, it's pretty easy i don't know if you had the chance to look at event 201 on youtube at all like have you had yes, a chance yeah to look at yeah it? yeah did you, did you watch the actual six hours of it like the whole I time have, no I've, I, no i've sort of I've, I've read a bit about it and i've sort of like you know sort of sort of um you know we sort of look at little bit different bits about i haven't watched the full six hours but no. it, it's scary yeah, but, stuff isn't it Oh, it's it's just horrifying. Like listening to them, and and you get why they're doing what they're doing, uh, because it's all about putting out propaganda to make the people make sure that people take the vaccines, and uh, and uh, you know they were talking about how they need to pay people uh, that have influence to you know be able to go out there and and talk about you know getting vaccines and all this stuff, and they they actually they haven't done this yet, but they talked about actually shutting off the internet. Uh, at one point during the media section of the event 201 and um, there were a lot of consensus on potentially doing that but then they were like well that could start a revolution as well and then we might uh, have a, a problem that our governments will topple <laughs> that was, yeah yeah that's it's their, it's but that's the problem yeah, is like those John... beliefs are there yeah good yeah I was going to say I think John the thing is with that as well I, I, I mean I don't know They've clearly had all these plans going on. With, with I mean, the way everything went lockstep, it was clearly planned. Yeah. The bit I'm not sure about, really, a little bit, is that did they expect it to go as 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 well and as easily as 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 it has? And almost like you sort of look at it now and you go, "We don't need to switch the internet off. You just you just yeah. brush all this stuff to the fringes." You know, make sure it doesn't come up in a Google search. Keep it, you know, make sure Facebook, YouTube, these main players are, are on your side. I think what they may do is things like shut down Telegram, for example, where you've got a lot of people, a lot of groups starting and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, they can almost, if, if it's like a needle in a haystack in the internet, you can let them almost say what that what 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 anybody wants. Nobody could, nobody's going to find it. <laughs> it's sort of no. that they seem to have done that really, really successfully. To be honest, oh, hundred percent. Like I, I never use Google for any any searches or anything because uh, when you do a search on Google uh, and uh, something called DuckDuckGo, it's like night and day what you actually can find of of resources and and uh, things. So it's it's totally like a control, like a technocratic control that we're going straight into, and it's control, you know, of uh, not necessarily of your internet itself, you know, at the uh, at the level of when you log in, you know, that they could give you access or not yet. 
uh, but they do have control on the social medias that people use. I don't use Facebook at all, uh, but it's still no, I don't. other social medias because I, I do have to, like, I, I, I use LinkedIn a lot, and LinkedIn is um, uh, a social warrior place starting to slowly turn into, you know, they, they added pronouns now for uh, your LinkedIn profiles. So you add your own pronouns if you feel like it. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, interesting. These, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say in LinkedIn, isn't it? It's sort of seems of you know, it, it, it's it's they haven't really gone down the massive censorship route, have they, on LinkedIn? But I think it's probably coming, isn't it? Well, I think it is because there is a lot of resistance there, and and the problem with uh, LinkedIn is that there's a lot of business owners on there, and a lot of business owners that are independent thinkers a lot of times. And, yeah, uh, well, it was incredible. Yeah. I put something on LinkedIn around, you know, well, basically commenting on on, on uh, uh, something to do with the vaccine, you know, questioning it. And it was, I, I, I mean, it was incredible. I, I got so much, I mean, I got, you know, 30 odd likes just on my comment and loads of, you know, replies on it from, it, it's amazing. There's a lot, you know, all, all people, all people I didn't know. You know, not not and 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 it's incredible that there's there's a lot of people out there. I think one of the issues is with people who sort of get it to to at least some extent is is it's all very disparate, isn't it? You know, it, it's quite difficult to actually form any kind of movement because it's all over the place. And I think that's that's one of the issues that we've got at the moment. Yeah, that's uh, that's the problem. Is it's um, so over the top that it kind of like pushes a certain aspect of people that you know are logical thinkers just like to the brink of like well this is like it's not good what's going on here and it's uh, <laughs> like a brain uh, like they can see through the brainwashing that's going on uh, and, and it's quite destructive actually when it comes to you know family and, and friends and and others is that you know, people start turning on each other and uh, yeah, it's, it's really difficult isn't it because on. yeah, yeah they get it's really difficult. Out, I mean, you know we, if we don't open up the economy, if we don't get vaccinated, we're not going to open up the economy and so on. So they're basically putting a gun to people's head. And then, uh, you know, they basically are not fully incentivizing people for ratting on everybody. Or, But what they're creating, they're creating this like, well, if you don't take the vaccine, you're, you're to be blamed for us not opening up the economy. And so, uh, for example, my wife, she just ended up like telling off uh, her her sisters that are nurses uh, that like I don't want to talk about vaccines ever again with you guys like shut up yeah absolutely <laughs> it's constantly it, it, like calling it's like God, have you taken a vaccine <laughs> yeah and as if you're crazy if you're not taking it and, and I, I, yeah I've, I've had to do the same with a load of people and it's just you can't you know it's really difficult it's it's diff with brainwashed people it's really really difficult to just go look let's have a debate about this this clearly doesn't make sense does it when it clearly Science doesn't are settled um, until yeah <laughs> we absolutely we well, it, it, it is it is it's so like dogmatic now isn't it in terms of what yeah. people believe it's become you know it is that whole scientism as a religion but it's not really science is it it's just what they tell you is yeah, science is religion, and, as you said it, yeah, it's a religion, and and the problem is that you know throughout throughout science throughout history we always science always changes and and we learn new things. That's how we adopt and uh, you know grow as a human species on this planet is that we learn new things and then we adopt things that are good uh, that you know make societies better. But 
problem is it's been hijacked by you know these elitists that uh, likes to uh, think that they know everything. Uh, and the problem is like you, you have this in the even in science where you have throughout time, there's a certain period of time that you know science is as settled because all the even the elites one doesn't like to be wrong. Uh, so when they come new ideas, they get vilified until they actually like are uh, suddenly they become adopted because it's getting so obvious that they're uh, you know the that the for example that the sun is. Uh, not revolving around the Earth, and the Earth is revolving around the Sun, for example. You know, just to make an old example out of things. But it it does take take a while of time, and and it's pride, you know, it's and it's tribalism that you know gets in the way of uh, of uh, progress in, in that way. That we we're first of all, it's you know being afraid of the unknown. So people like to be told uh, exactly what's going on. Uh, so I think that has a lot to do with it. People like to know that oh if i take this vaccine everything is going to be fine and and uh we're going to go back to normal again but what they don't understand is there's when it, when you give up your powers or or no sorry your freedoms to the government the government never give it it fully back to you you know there's there's always like a big event remember 9 11 you know the massive security grid that they put in and uh, at airports, you know, I remember when I was a young boy, we, we still traveled around Europe without, you know, any metal detectors a lot of times. Even absolutely, yeah. and I mean, you know, I've, I, I, I was find it incredible, John, because I think to myself, okay, you know, if you've got, if there are suicide bombers, you know, it's, 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 it's far easier, isn't it, to go into a crowd of people somewhere where, you know, I, I used to think to myself, I used to live in London for a bit, and I used to think to myself, right, you know, if I was a suicide bomber, I'd walk into King's Cross tube station at rush hour, and that, you know, that would be far easier, nobody searching you, nobody doing anything, than going, see, none of it sort of made sense, you know, even if you took the premise yeah. that this is a really big risk that wasn't there before, and now it's a big risk, you, you still look at it and go, well, if you look at it from the point of view of somebody trying to bomb you, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't bother with it. It's too difficult on, on planes. So you just wouldn't, but, but it's just got, um, you, you, you're right. Uh, all these freedoms. Then, yeah. 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 These freedoms are well, never given back, are they? No, that's the problem is like when you talk to people, they're like, oh, we're going to go back to normal now kind of thing. Right. And, and what people don't understand is that there's going to be a new normal, you know, well, they kind of talked about it, you know, they mentioned it in media all the time, but they don't mention what that new normal really is. Uh, no, it's, it's that, incredible. You know, this is where it's hidden in plain sight, isn't it? It's like, they, yeah. they're not, they're not like, you know, that they've been very clear new normal and they do mean a totally new normal, don't they? Well, yeah, it's it's like the European digital identity that had just come out, where you know all your IDs and and everything is going to be on there. You're going to have your vaccine passport on there as well, and and it's now getting out in the open. Uh, there was a Financial Times article that talked about it just a couple of days ago, and I did a little bit of research. You know, you got to search a little bit uh, sometimes, and uh, voila, I found there. Uh, the European uh, Digital Identity for All. Uh, yeah, Digital Identity for Europeans. So it's called the European Digital Identity. And they're talking about uh, implementing everything from health. Like, here we go. Uh, public services such as requesting birth certificates, medical certificates, reporting change of address, opening a bank account, filing tax returns, applying for a university at home or in another member state, storing a medical uh, prescription that 
uh, can be used anywhere in Europe, proving your age, renting a car, driving uh, or using a driver license or checking into a hotel. So it sounds on the surface that's, oh, this is great. You know, like it's a universal thing that I could use uh, in all the, uh, all, all the Eurozone countries, which the UK is not a part of anymore. Uh, but it's uh, it's just interesting. You, you see, we were talking about that pre-Germany, right? Like you're really starting to see that you know the, uh, the almost the Iron Curtain <laughs> starting to uh, yeah. Oh, it's it's it, yeah. It's because because you know it's it's funny you mention the digital ID because the latest thing in the UK press is oh vaccine passports are going to be um uh, you know are going to be scrapped. But meanwhile, there's this digital ID thing going on in Europe, and it, clearly, you know, the UK will do something similar. I'm no doubt. So it's almost like, well, let's right, okay, the vaccine passports thing wasn't absolutely very popular. We'll do it a different way. And actually, what what the for, for me, what they seem to be doing, John, is that they'd start with a vaccine passport. And then when people have seen, well, actually, it's got all this other information, like you're saying, well, we, we, we're actually going to get something better than that from their perspective, which is, you know, a digital ID. But also they get this, the added benefit of getting rid of that, you know, controversial, if you like, vaccine passport at the same time. But what people don't realise is they're in an even worse position than with a vaccine passport. Yeah, 100%. And, and of course, uh, Bank of England, like any other central bank, what they're working on now is these central bank digital currencies. Uh, and if you go to, uh, it's pretty easy on Bank of England's website, you go to research and then digital currencies, and then you'll find their uh, their spiel on, you know, the uh, central bank digital currencies and how uh, they're going to, you know, you still use the old bank banking system with cash but then slowly implement their uh, digital currency system and, and what's interesting with these central bank digital currencies is that um, there's a guy called Kenneth Rogoff he wrote a book back in 2016 called the curse of cash uh, and basically was the case for removing cash completely from the world and uh, how easy it would be to track and tax and uh, the number one reason for removing cash is taxation by the way uh, yeah. And then um, he did a piece on there uh, about germs on, on cash. So, you know, that, that's been really being pushed now during COVID, uh, where a lot of businesses, especially the big ones, you know, said that. Yeah, cash is well care. down, isn't it? As a method of purchase now, cash is well down as a result of all the things that, that they've done in, with, with yeah, this, uh, the pandemic. It's, it's a digital economy. What's the problem with these central bank digital currencies is when, uh, like, if you put your money in the bank, it's not yours kind of thing but if the money is always in the bank like there's two different approaches to central bank digital currencies there's one that you know they want to still use the same system as they have today with the banks and then there's the one that the central bank is the bank so both you and me will have bank accounts at a central bank like either bank of canada or or the federal reserve or or bank of england where you have a account there but the problem is when all your money is digital it's not yours like you, you yeah and, and also john isn't it? yeah and if, if everything's on a digital id then you know it's not it's not that ridiculous to think that well you know if, if they see somebody as being a bit revolutionary and stuff they were you know you could literally stop that person being able to go anywhere being able to buy anything almost with the press of a button couldn't you pretty much yeah pretty quick and we only need to go uh 
uh, you know, to China to see how that is working today because it's actually in the works. You know, there's a Sesame Credit or, a, you know, social credit system that they use. And Absolutely. If yeah, if, if you're not, you know, uh, if you say the wrong things on social media, you get like your social credit gets down. You don't get access to gyms. You don't get access to loans uh, and so on. So they have that already. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, in terms of how do you how would you see, John, the next, um, you know, the next few months panning out? I mean, things seem to be accelerating in a lot of ways with a lot of things. But how, how do you see things panning out over the next few months? Well, I don't think any good will come out of it. I, I, I really hope to see that uh, the, the panic will spread when uh, they see that Texas and, and Florida and uh, like that, because that was a game changer. You know, there's one thing having Tanzania, you know, uh, and not giving a crap about uh, COVID regulations. Then, and then, of course, the Tanzanian leader died. Yes, uh, I know. Unbelievably. Yeah. By a lady that worked uh, with the World Economic Forum, all things. Uh, and she actually implemented yeah. right away. She implemented all the rules and, and regulations. It's a big coincidence, John. Big coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. And what's uh, interesting, but another thing that is going under the radar that nobody's talking about is uh, Nicaragua. Uh, Nicaragua hasn't had any lockdowns whatsoever. And uh, Nicaraguans are a little bit different because they're uh, more freedom-loving and independent, they, you, you're allowed to do a lot of things down in uh, Nicaragua that you're not allowed to do even in in, in the United States. Uh, so I, I talked to a Nicaraguan about this, like, hey, so what's going on in Nicaragua? I heard some rumors, you know, is it true that you guys are, like, never locked down and that uh, you guys are just living your lives as, uh, as normal down there? And sure enough, he told me that uh, his family members back home is sending him pictures of parties with four or 5,000 people and they never locked down at all. Oh, uh, they God. never had that That's crazy. A, like, the, I think I need to lose that. People died at all. Uh, people got sick with COVID and everything, uh, down, but extremely little is said. Like, there's almost non-existent. Uh, and it was yeah. very interesting because I, I think we've been manipulated with the PCR tests and, and all these things that they use, these mechanisms they use uh, in order to scare us into, you know, believing. Because there's, uh, who was it? It was a guy that I work with in my regular daytime job, he he was saying that his uh, sister, I, I think it was his, was his sister, I believe it was his sister, that worked at ICU, and she says a lot of people are dying with COVID and not of COVID. <laughs> so, uh, there, there's uh, well, a lot funny of... enough, I know, yeah, I know of two, yeah, I know of two people, two people, sort of second hand, if you like, that have died, that are COVID deaths. Both of them was with COVID, not of COVID, both of them. And I think I think that is actually a lot more common than, um, uh, uh, I think that's, I think it's incredibly common, basically. Yeah, and that's a, that's a sad thing. There's, uh, I think if, if it ever can come to the surface, like all the, uh, all the things that they've done, like for example, there was in the UK and then in the US, and I think this is the same in the UK, Norway, uh, wherever you are, Canada as well, uh, where they actually uh, changed the way you write a death certificate. So, like, instead of writing that the death is, you know, you had COVID at the time, but it wasn't the, the cause because you had diabetes or you had heart issues. Um, they actually changed that in the U.S. And I remember a doctor, uh, uh, something Jansen, um, 
out of like he's a probably a Scandinavian uh, out of Minnesota. He was coming out and saying like, well, hey, you guys have changed uh, waiver right the death certificate. This is not right. Uh, and uh, I think there's a yeah. lot of those things, a lot of these small little corrupt things that they've did in order to then perpetrate this as a way bigger thing that it is. Now, it's also interesting what's happening now with, you know, Fauci in the UK, no, in the US uh, with, you know, being basically caught in a lie saying that, oh, we did no gain of uh, function research on viruses. And then what you're seeing is that, oh, they did some uh, research on that at the Wuhan lab with funding from the United States. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know, I know. It's unbelievable. But, but it's almost like the timing of it, John, is like, but they're still going to say, oh, look, yeah, all that happened and what have you, but you still need the vaccine because it's still that. Do, do you know what I mean? It almost oh, yeah. feels like oh, well, no, they can yeah. sort of get away with that now. Yeah, they, they can. And, and that's, I think, why they got rid of uh, Gates and Fauci. Like, I think Fauci is going to be gone now uh, from media as well. Like, just like they just canceled his uh, children's book. At, uh, yeah. at <laughs> but I'd say, but John, it's really funny. Yeah, See, it's hilarious. Uh, that, thank goodness, yeah. But he, but it's it's funny because obviously the Fauci in America, I mean, we've got a guy, Chris Whitty, who's almost. It's really funny, like the whole global thing, right? Because it's almost like you've got you've got a similar like structure here in a way, in that we've got this guy, Chris Whitty, who's almost the UK Fauci, if you like. You know, he he basically, yeah. you know, he says stuff, and the governments have to sort of go running and go and and go and do it. And yeah, it's just the whole thing just set so lockstep, isn't it? Um, together, um, which guy, is which uh, is just incredible. Yeah, question is that the guy that uh, tried to la- like tried to cry on TV and it looks so fake? Is that the same? Guy? No, no, he's the he's the health secretary, and he's. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, he's. Um, uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, abs- yeah. I mean, the the the, the people that just. Just in, I think, you know, in terms of UK politics, I mean, my God, you know, you mentioned before about, you know, getting into politics. And I think one of the problems is one of the problems actually is in politics, certainly in the UK, is they don't actually get massive salaries as politicians. So almost one of the problems is it's it's not that. it's almost not that attractive to get into if you are very um uh you know if if you are very capable so people are going into it going into it as a means to an end because what these people do it's like you know tony blair still does speeches for however much money etc etc and it feels like they're going into it to do that and it's almost like a bit of a boys club in terms of um, uh, in terms of politics in the UK. And most of them, I think, you know, certainly in the UK, you know, most of them are pretty, they're not that capable. And there's certainly people pulling the strings behind them. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're just not, you know, you can just tell they're not, they're not intelligent yeah, enough to be problem. pulling any like, strings look at, themselves. Look at Prime Minister, look at tr- Justin Trudeau here, Canada. <laughs> Trudeau, and you look at Biden in America, etc. Oh, obviously, it's you just, know, like it's just coming through so badly, like on them. Uh, but the problem is that we actually give these buffoons, like we actually give them a printing press, and as you said, you know, as Wales, we're doing universal basic income test pilot there. Uh, those ideas are now getting pushed in, and of course, uh, 
they were actually even talking about giving, uh, I think it was Kamala Harris in the U.S. was talking about giving every citizen $1,000 when they got vaccinated and then give them an, an, an additional $3,000 when enough people got vaccinated as a as a means to then push all these people to then, you know, like promote it to their, it's almost like a, a you know, a network marketing scheme where you actually, like, if you get enough oh, people involved. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many of those bribery schemes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we've had. I, I can't. Was it was it in Canada, John? Where I've seen the video of of them, you know, basically giving ice cream to kids to get a to get a vaccine. Was it in Canada? Or it might have been Australia. It was one of the two. Um, well, and but, but there is schemes like this, especially in, in yeah. the United States. They gave donuts. They gave uh, a whole bunch. But the funny thing is, like, they're giving them like the worst possible garbage food that <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah so much for your health Absolutely. you know like we're gonna we're gonna like on top of injecting you with potentially um uh carcinogenic vaccines and, and all the other stuff that's around them this guy we're gonna just give you some uh an ice cream or give you a mcdonald's you burger <laughs> yeah exactly you know like it's it's yeah. like hilarious but they that just shows you how stupid they think people are that they can, yeah, we're just going to give you this. Uh, and uh, actually, it was the New York mayor, uh, the, the Blasio, I forgot what his de name is. De Blasio, yeah. Yeah, he was he was sitting and eating a burger and, and fries, and he was saying, like, yeah, if you get the vaccine, you can have this good uh, burger and fries. So I'm just like, I, like these, these people just think that we are so damn stupid that, you know, we'll just jump on jump on like getting a, a five dollar burger to take a, a vaccine that's you know still in clinical trials <laughs> absolutely yeah and, and i mean this i mean the the the, the press over here, i'm sure it's been the same in america you know it, it's emergency authorization but they keep using approved which is just uh, just a lie yeah, basically which is, which but, is so, um, yeah it's totally fraudulent I mean, what you know, in terms of in terms of who's awake to this. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm sort of on various groups and stuff on Telegram. I mean, there's plenty of people who do um, get it. But then, having said that, you know, I also know a lot of people. You just can't have a conversation about, uh, you know, pre- I, I think you can have a conversation with a lot of people around things like the masks and stuff. Um, but certainly, when it comes to the vaccine, certainly when it comes to you know the government being part of an agenda and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of people I know you just can't have those conversations with them. They, they just think you, you're crazy. Um, what what do you think? Like in terms of the size of the sort of you know or you know the numbers of of, of people who are sort of you know see through this bullshit basically. What what do you reckon, John? What's your what what, what what's your gut feeling on that? I do have a gut feeling that tells me that there's a lot more people out there that uh, are seen through this because it's kind of like gotten too blatant. Uh, and like, uh, but the problem is that the media is using, you know, Nazi style propaganda where they're just trying to tell you a lie long enough, you know, start to believe in it. And that's the problem. Uh, so, yeah, so there is yeah. people that slowly, even if they did kind of believe a little bit, you know, because of the constant propaganda of mainstream, because they still follow mainstream media, uh, they're getting inundated. Their, their brain is basically getting uh, like, uh, you know, pushed. It's uh, it's like uh, law of attraction where you push enough of a thing onto you. You know, you'll actually get that into your life. So, uh, 
like they they know how to use pure propaganda to then you know turn you um, into into believing in certain things and and it's very powerful um, but there, there's still like yeah, actually at my work uh, there is only one person that have gotten the vaccine out of uh, no sorry there's three people that got the vaccine out of uh, I think 10 uh, no 12 people uh, and uh, most of us are like yeah we're not putting that toxic garbage in our uh, one lady she's uh, my bo- uh, the boss's wife he she is a chemist and she's like <laughs> me and her you know like the I, I can't believe the conversations i have with uh, regular people at in, in normal life but at least you know we, we actually look at the ingredients in the vaccine and uh, several ones are actually car- under carcinogen like it's listed as uh, one was in the pfizer vaccine was uh, listed as a ur- like could give you urinary uh, cancer uh, I, I forgot what the technical yeah, term is on that, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of toxic sludge in there, and and then on top of it being potentially, because uh, they say that oh yeah, it doesn't modify your DNA whatsoever, uh, but then you have the head of uh, Moderna coming out and kind of saying that, but they say like oh he's misinterpreted that he stated that uh, you know like they're rewriting the program of your of your uh, cells, but the problem is when you do this replication process when the cells split. They actually split with the new behavior and creating the spike protein, for example. So it's not like yeah. how, like you just uh, basically manipulated a cell uh, into replicating well, into well, another John, cell. John, funny enough, yeah. so I, I could, yeah, I, I spoke to um, uh, uh, a PhD doctor uh, who worked in like Switzerland and stuff, and she was you know being anonymous, etc. But clearly, very genuine and. You know, there's clearly a lot of real concern, you know, in the scientific community, they're almost there's almost sort of, you know, powers basically saying to them, no, you can't go against this narrative, etc. And she was saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm almost being told to unlearn the science around, you know, epidemiology and all that kind of stuff that I've that I've learned in the past. And, you know, she was saying that, you know, obviously, when you look at the previous animal trials and all that kind of stuff, it's sort of. I mean, you know, she wasn't absolutely doomsday about it, but what she was, she was very much, um, there's a lot of really serious questions around the stuff. Yeah, because she's very worried about the consequences of her own job, probably, uh, her own job security. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, think, John, as well, she was, go on. Go on, John. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's... uh... The problem is it's the job security that they're afraid of because they they have a very decent salary and uh, uh, and also you know but what's funny though uh, some of the top people in the world like the uh, PhD in virology from France I forgot his name you know that uh, oh look Montagne uh, yeah that found the actual uh, yeah. HIV virus and all that uh, he actually got a Nobel Prize for that uh, and then there's Gert von Braut I believe his name is from Netherlands you know that. Uh, that have come out and, and really worked yeah. about what they're doing. And, and so like, they, they're not, the problem is that they really, they still believe kind of in the thing. They still said that all oh, vaccines are still fine, but what we're doing is uh, atrocious and, and could potentially cause an insane amount of uh, havoc uh, by, you know, doing what we're doing. Uh, so, so there is, uh, there is people that dare to speak up and, and they, they, Try to vilify them, but the problem is that there are some of the top people in their fields, 
and, and so it's getting harder and harder for them to like actually uh, pull this off. And but it's it's definitely a compliant um, like uh, international uh, approach to this, and, and I think it has all to do with what happened at Event Two of One uh, that you know the. Uh, John Hopkins and, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, had that event because you had the, both the head of the CDC in China and the CDC in, in the United States there. You had the head of, I believe Pfizer was there and, and a few other top top people, politicians and, and UN people and, and, and all this stuff. And I think that, you know, there's a, a way and, and propaganda. And, and I wrote about this in a book that I wrote on the Canadian economy uh, a while back uh, called you know the uh, the uh, shadow the world shadow government taking over you know the the country basically and it's this uh, approach of the United Nations the United Nations has really built a complete global governance structure where they have all the parts of the government that they need uh, to implement but they know that it's a long race to get to uh, the thing, is, but they don't let a good crisis go to waste. As uh, Rahm Emanuel, former head, former aide to uh, aide to Obama, said, you know, you gotta make sure like to take the bull by the horn here and really, really push a, and try to scare people into giving up, you know, their freedoms, and so we could take more and more and get closer to the goal. Because you gotta remember when when somebody has a goal, they want to achieve it. Uh, and you know when I set my goals, you know I try to achieve them, and, and sure enough, these people are not nothing different than you and me uh, when it comes to that stuff. So they'll you know try to accomplish their goals, and they're going to work very hard towards it. You know this group of uh, yeah, and and I think you know in t- it, I mean because in terms of that world shadow government, like like you're talking about, it's like it's pretty obvious, isn't it, with what's gone on over the last 18 months that, um, you know, even though there isn't official world shadow government, there's clearly, you know, a few individuals at the top very much, uh, uh, you know, pulling the strings, given that, I mean, there's no one, you know, we, we've, we've gone through all these, you know, wars between various countries and nobody ever agreeing on anything, etc. But suddenly everybody's agreed on this, which is, uh, you know, when there's been, you know, really, um, you know, for young and healthy people, no, no real, no real dangers and stuff, but particularly from from the virus. So you look at it and you go, you know, clearly there's a there's a big there's a big plan in place. I mean, you know, from in terms of, you know, your um, economic background and stuff, John, how do you see, you know, economically and stuff, you know, interest rates and, you know, and that kind of thing? What, yeah. what? What you know? What's your view on sort of? Because clearly, what's happening? You know, you, you alluded on it before. You know, in terms of um, you know local businesses being sort of undermined, etc., and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're going to potentially have a load of people that you know after furlough or whatever. You know, that actually aren't going to get their jobs back. Basically, as time goes on, I think it's maybe fair to say. You know, and they're printing all this money, which I never fully understand how the heck that can possibly work you know what's the sort of implication to this because you know clearly there's that you know there is that view isn't there about almost breaking the economy to then be able to come in with the solution which is exactly what they want yeah it almost seems like it uh when you study like these the problem is that the Keynesians actually believe uh, what they're doing that it's going to help to just print atrocious amounts of money and you'll get more inflation that's gonna then lower the value of that debt 
so they could just get into more debt and, and ever more debt. And then you get ideas like modern monetary theory and all that stuff. And, and they're not willing to have a crisis at all uh, because in today's system that we have, there is what's called the business cycle or the debt cycle, as I like to call it, uh, where everybody gets into debt and then uh, there's nobody more to in debt. So the a sector of the economy could collapse or, or the housing market and, and, and so on. And that's just, you know, the, the cycle, the, the scam cycle, as I call it, um, because everybody gets lured into, uh, by, you know, getting a loan from a commercial bank that prints it out of thin air. It doesn't exist ever uh, before, you know, that you sign that loan documents, but as soon as you sign it, it gets into existence. And you've seen this throughout history, like all these uh, bubbles, you know, it's all the way back to 1024 in China the Sun Dynasty, they had a similar kind of debt scheme that they had. They created a, initially a currency that was backed by the coinage, copper coinage that they had, I think, 30%. But then quite quickly over time, as they had the potential, because this is the first paper currency in history, uh, they then took an, a, and started to create a, a lending scheme. And so you had a great, uh, you know, economic boom in, in, in China at the time, well, the Sun Dynasty at the time. And, and, but then at one point you hit like 30, 40 years in, uh, that all peaks because everybody's now indebted. It's like a Ponzi scheme, you know. How many more people can you feed into the system in order to prop up the, the top uh, of the Ponzi scheme, right? So it's the same with debt uh, where, you know, you can only go into uh, a certain amount of debt before it's totally unsustainable. It's uh, You just got to have to print it, uh, that massive amounts of currency. And, and of course, with their man-made lockdowns uh that that is became unsustainable quite uh, rapidly because of all the unemployment and so on uh but they uh, the way they did it was you know putting in we talked about earlier the programs like CERB and others that the uk uh, uk has uh, another program uh but these type of, these type of programs that they have in place uh you know to then uh, try to stop uh, reality from happening and, and then also having moratoriums here in, in Canada and the U.S. Uh, where they basically you could, you know, not having to pay your mortgage and, and even your rent. Uh, and then uh, savings rates are up. Like people are like, oh, savings rates are up. Well, yeah, when you uh, take away, let's say, like four, five hundred or probably thousands of dollars a month that you don't pay, uh, I um, you know, everybody's going to seem to be better off for uh, a little while until, you know, they're going to have to, uh, are, are they going to ever go back to, you know, uh, letting the yeah, I think uh, so. work? I, I don't think they can. They're going to have to keep on this uh, kind of Ponzi measure where the central bank has to go and do in what we call this quantitative easing. So they're going to have to just buy an asset off of the bank. And then what they do is they... The newly, like, uh, this is the thing why we haven't seen hyperinflation yet is because when they do this quantitative easing, they actually take an asset from the bank, then the bank gets fresh uh, digital cash, but that digital cash uh, is not allowed to leave the bank. Uh, banks uh, deposit at the central bank. So the actual banks, they have deposits at the central bank uh, as well. So what happens is they just swap um, and give them, they take away 
toxic asset that is bankrupt, and then they replace it with cash in, in the reserve account that the Federal Reserve or at the Bank of England and so on. So that's how they uh, get away with you know buying up uh, all kinds of things. Like uh, Bank of Japan has been buying stocks and real estate. Uh, Norway, uh, our uh, central bank, Norges Bank, has bought i think four percent of the stock so it's, it's almost john john it's almost like the uh, 2007 financial crisis isn't it where they repackage all of these things again and again and by the time it actually sort of comes out it's sort of you know it's 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 gone you know way way too far isn't it it's a bit like that oh yeah well now like the mortgage-backed securities that's a a major holding in the united states uh, central bank like the uh, I think it holds almost 30, 40% of all the mortgages through these, uh, through this derivative called the mortgage-backed security. So it's, uh, yeah, they repackage yeah, these and then- things and then sell it to pension funds and then it blows up in the pension funds face. And then you wonder why Norway during the 2008 crisis, why uh, I think it was like seven or eight local pension funds for, uh, for a different, um, uh, municipalities went bankrupt because they had invested in these uh, credit default swaps, as they called them at the time, or yeah. it was also mortgage-backed securities. But now they've gotten the scheme even further. Like now you have something called, uh, I, I've been warning about this in 2019, and I think we might see something very soon uh, because something called collateralized loan obligations, and, and that is basically just corporate debt. So it's it's not like the MBS is the mortgage-backed security was the mortgages that was the underlying asset. But now they're, they've been doing uh, like 10 times more almost of these collateralized loan obligations, which is just uh, corporate debt. So, And of course, corporations today, if you go and look in the US, uh, about 20% of all the corporations can't pay their debt. So they're deemed zombies. So what they do is they get more debt, buy back their own shares to then try to fakely prop up their value. So it's just pure financial Oh, yeah, well, John, funny enough. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm sort of in, you know, in terms of what, you know, what I do day to day and stuff, you know, I, I sort of work in the financial services industry. And it's, it's amazing when you look at this, there's these big companies that were that were essentially, when I know of one, for example, they were essentially bankrupt, but the unsecured bondholders provided a load of cash to ensure they didn't lose their, you know, their, 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 their shares in the business. But then, since then, all they've done is bought loads of businesses. So what they do is they buy businesses who obviously initially, um, you know, initially, and if you keep buying businesses, it's like the Ponzi scheme that you're talking about before, but essentially these businesses are basically bankrupt. And like you say, it's like corporate debt, but it's it's the same sort of thing as the personal debts with the mortgage crisis in that they can't possibly be paid back. And at some point, the shit hits the fan, really, doesn't it, yeah. with these things? No. No, 100 percent. You're totally right. Like they just it's it's just total pure financial manipulation. And when this happened throughout history, when you go away from actually having a real economy, like you can have a real economy with lending uh, if you actually lend towards uh, a business that's actually going to create something of value for people uh, like creating a new product. That's really amazing. That's going to make our lives 100 times easier to live uh, in a good way, not in an enslavement way. Uh, and, you know, it's actually producing goods and services, you know, like commodities. Nobody really cares about commodities, right? Like actual real things in the real economy. Yeah, you know, like yeah. If you go and look at commodity prices over the last 10 years, they're down like 20, per, almost 30 uh, percent on, on, uh, on the scale. So it's, it's pretty hilarious. It's, 
It's like, uh, but this is what's happening. So we're just financially engineering where we're just playing with uh, these fiat currency numbers that we're pushing forth and back. And, and uh, we can play with this until uh, the system just starts uh, falling apart and seems, as, as I said, you know, the Ponzi scheme is coming apart when you really just have to, like, as you said, or buy just businesses or there, there's, you know, the leverage buyouts where they basically go in and, and buy up a business and then gut it. You know, I think it was um, during the 2007 crisis, uh, which bank was it now? Was it the RBS in the in the UK that uh, did all these mergers and acquisitions. And basically what they did is they, uh, they took all the good assets, sold them off, made some money on it. And, and then the company was just left with, uh, with nothing of value. And, and it was just like a, a vulture capitalist <laughs> coming in and, and oh, cutting the like, company. Yeah, yeah. Cut, yeah. Cutting costs wherever possible, but normally as well, people not getting any pay rises, et cetera, and what have you yeah. making, you know, getting rid of some people, making people work harder than they already were. Um, or, 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 or yeah, in the name the, of trying to, yeah. Yeah. That's another thing is like pay rises. So, what, what is happening is that uh, some of this inflation, of course, is like the reserves, as we were talking about through quantitative easing, they're getting leveraged by the banks. So the banks can go and do more uh, margin debt in the stock market. So that's just debt that you borrow against your portfolio and, and, and stocks. So that's just skyrocketed. Like, I think it's up like almost 100%. Uh, and it's at record highs. And then they could uh, lend against uh, uh, mortgages, you know, for investors. Uh, and so you see like in the UK and Canada, like almost everywhere in the world now, we're in this massive like real estate bubbles <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And you're just pushing this. But the problem is the the real economy is really not uh, doing anything. And you know, so you're seeing all these people that are working for, especially for like you know, the bigger companies, they their wages have been near stagnant. And meanwhile, inflation is going up because there is trickles from this activity, like from when you buy and sell stocks and, and from buy and sell investment properties, that trickles into the economy. So now you're having the inflation is going up uh, faster and faster. But the problem is the the salaries have been staying you know, near stagnant or maybe like just a, just a little bit up. But then meanwhile, so you have two charts that are like basically two lines that are diverging. Uh, one has a an ever like higher trajectory like the inflation and then you have the you know the uh, the salaries and the wages are just going up slightly so it's like that massive gap is just destroying their purchasing power yeah. and back in the day you know uh, i taught my wife uh, her dad used to you know had three kids and uh, he was the only breadwinner in the family and and they were okay you know they weren't rich or anything yeah yeah. Okay. yeah you know you can't do that today you have to be two people <laughs> to be absolutely able to now, now it's yeah under under the guise of equality john it's both go to work now and both have to work yeah, <laughs> like, it's a shadow. really hard it, to have less disposable income yeah you know but, yeah it's um, totally a shadow uh, i'm all for women in the workforce but it's it's totally shadow oh like it, it's hidden there that you know they did this to actually be able to uh, push this, uh, push this out, and say like, oh yeah, it's great to have women in the workforce. But really, what it was uh, a big push of it was that well, we need more debtors and we need more, uh, more people that you know could work in the economy to then not have families go crazy because they're poor, <laughs> kind of thing. Of course, so, yeah, it no, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah ab ab absolutely. And and now you've got a situation where 
and and it's and it's difficult because because where you've got both people going out to work, then there's let you know got kids etc. There's less time to do everything, and actually you know everyone's worse off basically with it. And um, mm-hmm. but I think you know in terms of injury, so do you see? Because one thing that would be, you know, pretty disastrous to, you know, obviously, I mean, I think it's similar um, pretty much everywhere in the Western world where you've got, you know, everyone's got mortgages, you know, people people probably push themselves a little bit on mortgages and they look at things in the point of view, you know, we've had historically low interest rates for however long. Because I sort of see, like, if interest rates go up and go up significantly, that's going to be a massive problem, isn't it, for people? Oh, it's just going to be atrocious uh, if it happens, though, because, you know, the financial engineers, they're probably going to try to push us into negative rates. But look at what happened in yeah, Denmark. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the Danish banks, what they did. <laughs> you can go and actually get a negative rate mortgage. So you get paid uh, to, you know, have a mortgage. You still <laughs> pay down the principal, but you actually get paid yeah. as a negative uh, rate loan. And actually, a lot of the... Uh, in um, in the banking system now, that's called repurchase operations, and I believe probably it's it's definitely like this in the UK because your interest rates is even lower than the United States. Is that yeah. uh, there's these uh, like overnight lending that is happening to keep the the whole system solvent? They actually have negative interest rates. So negative interest rates basically means that you get paid instead of uh, you know you having to pay that extra interest. So it's a total reverse. Like <clears throat> excuse me. There's nothing yeah, it's, like I this mean, ever, ever, ever in history uh, that we've seen. Yeah, and I'm I not think. Thinking... Yeah, what? Yeah, go on. Go on. Yeah, John. no. So what? What I think is that uh, um, the the problem is that we we uh, they are, have financially engineered a system to such a place that there's uh, zero chance of any return to uh, reality, right? So what they're going to keep on doing is they're just going to keep on like. Uh, manipulating the system and and it's funny now you you hear the federal reserve talking about what they call tapering uh which is basically selling off assets of their books but who's going to buy it first of all and and then second they're going to start raising interest rates and last time you know talking about interest rates is that you know world historical lows they've never been this low and and it's like if you look at historical rates they went up in the 80s right the most of the world and then they plummeted down to basically on a trajectory all the way down to zero. And so what have happened is that um, this massive mountain of debt is, uh, you know, the United States, yeah, this is what I was going to say. In the United States, uh, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates, I think it was either 2.25 or 2.5 up from 0.5, I believe it was 0.25. But that's when the whole system came and hinged. It didn't take much, you know, like uh, I, I think like, uh, even like a percentage race now is going to really wreak havoc in the whole system because yeah I think I agree yeah because because yeah. John I mean if you take all those are the things that you've said you know yeah like I, I think people don't have or, or or a lot of people don't have a lot of disposable income if you just push it you know that extra bit that's probably too much for a lot of people oh 100 percent it is you know there's always stats that come out. Uh, about that, and I think it was in Canada, there was uh, over 64% of people now lives paycheck to paycheck, uh, and, and there's zero, and only I think like uh, 15 to 20% have more than $200 at the end of uh, a paycheck to you know uh, be able to afford to do something with. Uh, so yeah, that whole thing, and the problem is that when everybody gets in debt, we become slaves that 
as well to that debt and and we need a job to pay it off uh and, and if we don't have a job uh you know do you, you basically lose your <laughs> absolutely money. yeah all right so you What's have you... to work I, I, but i'm i'm not like against like debt but the problem is like we're basing debt and and printing it out of nothing instead of having a a back end of some source like not just the home but actually real like collateral of the money the problem is that the money is uh is you know not a solid supply of it like it always changes you know uh, that brings me kind of to cryptocurrencies where like they're trying to invent like what gold is also kind of doing is to be a, a fixed store of value throughout time uh, and and you know, not having the, the, the ability to actually print more units into existence. And, and I think that's, if we're going to save Yeah, there's a market from, cap, isn't there, on crypto? Or, yeah. or, on most well, crypto, not on all of so, them, but yeah, there is on, but, you know, Bitcoin, yeah. and Litecoin, and, and a few others that have a set amount of units that's going to be in existence. And so you can, you could still lend and do borrowing in, in, in that system, but, you know, you at least have a backbone that's... Um, uh, of a solid yeah not not uh, with money yeah. that doesn't exist because it's got yeah. to be part of that overall supply yeah yeah um yeah because you can you can you can absolutely because because that's the thing with debt isn't it debt's okay if you, if you you're trying to cause a, a, a sort of cash flow situation in it so if i go okay i ain't gonna have to put this on my credit card because my car broke down this month but i yeah. you know I've, it's when i think the problem is that debt's gone into it's actually or, or almost fundamentally at the core of the economy isn't it and at the core probably for a lot of individuals and stuff as well and that's the difference between and and corporations that's the yeah. difference isn't it between that and actually being used as a cash flow thing or i'm going to borrow money yeah. to buy this business but i know i can do x y and z and and you know i can make more money it's yeah create a lot more know, value I mean, exactly yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. But whereas it seems to be, no, I'm just, I just buy that, buy that, buy that with debt, etc., without any consideration about, you know, I think with, with, you know, uh, uh, with a lot of corporations, and when you look at the sort of government debt, so this, there's no way it can ever, it can ever be paid back, is it? Basically, no, there's zero ways, and and it's hilarious listening to. That's why we have this modern monetary theory that we could just print uh, excessive amounts of currency, and there's going to be no problem. Uh, the thing is, though, with, with any fiat currencies is that um, there could be a mountain of debt, but it could still be wor uh, working because people still believe in the system. What I found is like studying monetary history is that when it really comes unglued is when people lose trust in the value of the medium of exchange. So the value in the pound or, mm -hmm. or in the Canadian dollar, the American dollar, Norwegian krona and so on. When people really start losing that trust in the currency, that's when the currency just evaporates. Because what happens is that nobody's using it in the economy. They're trying to find alternatives. Let's say you know crypto or or precious metals or anything like use commodity like bartering or whatever, uh, because the currency has become so worthless that you know it doesn't uh, it doesn't feed you anymore. Basically. Yeah, and we, we've seen that. We've seen that, haven't we? In certain, like you know, certain African countries, for example. I think you know Zimbabwe and, and Europe, stuff like that. Like look at look at even the Yellow West movement in France, right? Like the, the yeah, I yeah, listen yeah. to people talking there. It's like we can't feed ourselves <laughs> with, with regular, and they were working people, uh, some of them. So it's uh, yeah, it's when you get to that point where you can't feed yourself because we need food. We're human beings. Like if we don't eat, yeah. we die. So. 
uh, if you can't food yourself, like uh, even even during the the French Revolution uh, back in the day, uh, that was kind of the the, the main uh, main driver of that that people couldn't feed themselves because they gambled with the whole bunch of currency and so on. Uh, and they had financialized uh, what's called the Mississippi bubble and all all of that stuff around it. So what happens is they created too much currency units. Then the currency units wasn't enough. Salaries didn't raise enough to then keep up with it. And, and the thing was the people stopped using it. And then the government had to like, where are we going to get our tax income now? We don't, we, we can't get any tax income. So they have to print the currency. And then it's just that that's when the vicious cycle starts. And, and, and recently in Venezuela, you know, they had one hyperinflation. Now they have a second one. So they see this is the lack of trust, right? So you had the first one took only like six, seven months for it to collapse uh, the currency like completely. Uh, and then what happened was that the government said, oh, we're going to create this petrol, this new oil based cryptocurrency. Nobody trusted the government. So nobody adopted that. So that was a total failure. But then the government tried to create uh, a new currency called the Boulevard Soberano. But that one is hyperinflating right now because people are not trusting it. They don't want to use it uh, because they don't trust yeah, the yeah. government. And I suppose, my, as I, you know, what, what's your views on, because, you know, you can almost see what's going on potentially with the economy. And then you've got, you know, the Bond villain, Klaus Schwab or whatever, saying, you know, you, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy with it, et cetera, et cetera. That, you, you know, what's your views in terms of like, you know, is this is this a, almost a way of, of sort of, OK, you know, the, 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 the government's come in or whoever comes in and says, well, look, we'll we'll take all your assets off you, you know, so that you're no longer in debt, et cetera. Is that, is that a possibility? Do you think, is that what, what's your, what's your views on that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually put it past them because they could definitely do something like that. If everybody's indebted, the, the government can't print atrocious amounts of money and take over all the assets. Of course they can, because they got the printing press together with the bank. So it, it's a possibility that they can do that. It was actually a, a letter that was floated around here. I don't know if it's real or not, uh, but it was talking about COVID and that it was going to prolong into this year and next year and so on. Uh, but it was also talking about that the Canadian government might be, uh, you know, um, because people can't pay their debts, they're going to come and do that exact thing where they're going to just give you, uh, basically they were going to take your debt off your hand, but what they would take title uh, off your, on your property, your house, your uh, uh, your uh, your cars, whatever you had, uh, all of uh, those loans. So it's um, uh, I I think that's a possibility for sure. Uh, what I do hope and what I hope for is that you know these cryptocurrencies or gold and silver that have been around forever that those can be used not by any governments. But the problem is like we we've been in, indoctrinated so much to believe in these governments that it's going to be hard to get away from it. So I think the What's going to happen is you're going to have uh, a lot of countries probably because how they gotten away with this right now is that everybody almost prints currency out of thin air. So that's why you see the currencies are not losing too much value towards each other. Not not drastically anyways. Uh, so they're all, all like doing the same thing. So what people look at, it's like, oh, the Canadian dollar is like just hovering around this you know, certain band of like a little bit more than the US dollars to a little bit less. It never really like drops to like, let's say 50% or less uh, in value. So people believe that 
you know, like all oh, the currencies are not losing value, but what they're not yeah, looking so at is they're not looking that, at prices, like real prices. Yeah, I was going to say almost what that does, that all manifests in global inflation. So the loss oh, of value of yeah. all currencies, doesn't it, basically, is, is, is where you yeah. end up with that. Oh, 100%. It's, it's like everybody's playing the same Ponzi scheme here. And everybody's inflating <laughs> their currencies. So, like now, we we never had this on a global scale. We always had, you know, the oddball that went off a gold standard and and hyperinflated our currencies. Not that I like any gold standards for any government because they can't manage it and they always go off of it because they want to print currency. Uh, but you know, it's having real things in in the economy and being able to use those. So I I try to you know uh, a lot of my savings goes into. Uh, crypto like uh, different types of cryptos and into gold and silver because um, I think it's going to hold uh, as a store of value over time over the next five to ten years because yeah I've sort of dabbled yeah it, it feels because like, I sort of dabble a little bit with crypto and I'm sort of you know sort of thinking you either want real assets don't you like as in a property etc yeah. or crypto it, 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 it would seem and i think you know with 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 crypto it's one of the like you know do, do you sort of see it's, it's almost a way of people you know putting money in where i mean although they're very volatile at the moment but actually it's sort of safer when you think of what's going to happen to the fiat currencies for all of what we've just yeah, been because- discussing yeah, because like the volatility comes from it being a tiny, tiny market compared to gold or compared to others, right? Like it's it's still like only yeah. one point seven trillion dollars, like all the cryptocurrencies, uh, and you know gold is at about ten to eleven trillion dollars. Uh, so when it the, the bigger the market gets, the more stable it becomes to a currency. But the thing is, we're we're always measuring in fiat currencies. How about we measure Bitcoin and Bitcoin? Well, then you know one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Like and yeah, you don't yeah. have that because the the mentality and and always the thoughts even for me sometimes is that I always want to think about it in fiat terms. But the problem is when you look at that, it looks very volatile. Uh, but then if you actually used it in the economy, uh, if we just today chose to use Bitcoin uh, or other cryptocurrencies as a medium of exchange, suddenly you'd be like, oh, it actually holds its purchasing power. You know, I don't I don't need to get a raise ever really. Uh, unless you get a race for like better skills and so on, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be just, at the moment, could, isn't it? Where yeah. you where you put money in crypto, it's got to be something that you're willing to hold in there, isn't it? Not something that you're gonna try. You know, if you're trying to get, oh, I need to get the money out in a month's time. Well, yeah, it is going to be volatile. But I think you know, generally speaking, like the the highs are high and the lows are, are pretty high relatively. Yeah. No, it's. Uh... <clears throat> With cryptocurrencies, it's um, be- because we're still uh, looking at it in, in fiat terms. And of course, there's the fiat on and off ramps. That's where they're going to come now and start regulating uh, cryptocurrencies. They're going to come after all these exchanges, which is basically just banks. If you have your money on an exchange, it's like having your money in the bank. It's not yours. You know, the, you're you're borrowing it. Like in the bank's case, you're, you're uh, lending your money, uh, your deposit to the bank, and they can do whatever they want with it. Uh, and in the exchanges term, you know, they also could do kind of similar things. They they can say that they have X amount of crypto, but they not necessarily have to have it because unless you take it out uh, and put it in your uh, a wallet that like I have all my crypto at my wallet uh, on my computer. And then I have some on what's called a treasure, which is like a, 
a, a wallet that's like off off the grid so i can take it and nobody can hack it kind of thing uh yeah so yeah like yeah. having that and it's the same with cash if you take cash out of the bank it's actually yours you hold it in your hands but banks can fail right so you saw banks especially in europe like a lot of banks in southern parts of europe so failed and they had bail-ins where they basically took uh there was actually a lady from the uk she was going to retire she had uh, she sold her house down in Cyprus and then she was going to move back to the UK to retire with her family but what happened was that that 500 I think it was around $500,000 her house was and it got stuck in the bank and so what happened was that she lost 50% of that because that bank failed because that bank had bet on a derivative to fail in in the Greece but then the Greek uh, banks were bailed out by the European Union so that bet failed so yeah, just like, people yeah. have this mistaken view, don't they? That because it's in the bank, it's theirs, and it's yeah. uh, it's absolutely nice. It's the banks when it's in the bank. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And people don't get that. And then with these central bank digital currencies, it would never be yours. But like, so that's kind of how, like, how, how do you see like you nothing and be happy almost. How so how do you say how do you say? Because, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's supposed the concern, isn't it, with crypto in terms of what they're going to try and do. Well, what they're going to try and do and what they're going to be able to do from a regulation perspective. Um, it, you know, because because if it at the end of the day, if it's going to be something which is sort of, you know, a bit more independent, a bit more sort of in terms of, you, you know, it, it always gives us a bit more freedom. Um, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's allowed and, you know, it's allowed to operate as, as not, you know, do you see, um, do you see a lot more regulation and, and how that could look? I see. Yeah, I see a ton of more regulation coming in. Uh, but then there's other solutions as well. Like you could track and trace Bitcoin however you want, but unless you know my wallet address, though, you don't know that it's me or not. Right. So. Uh, you could yeah. like it's a fully open ledger like we, we never had a bank ledger that's fully open right uh but there is privacy like kind of cash almost because cash is privacy as soon as you take it out of the bank the bank can't really track and trace what you do with that cash right so it's very similar yeah. where you have crypto cash i call it like monero there's uh PyroCoin to z cash uh there's a few others as well that are privacy based so you can't really like see what's happening on the ledger uh, so there are those that because they can like right now I'm telling you they're they're actually tracking like any uh, of the major cryptocurrencies as much as they can and trying to connect people to the different wallets and and all this stuff because where they can get you is if you get it at an exchange and you transfer it out an exchange to your wallet well now they knew that you own the account uh, so they could kind of assume that you know this new wallet that you transferred it to that's yours. So now they can track and trace you that way. Uh, yeah. In in a crypto in a crypto like a Bitcoin and and Litecoin and all these are are a lot more traceable. Uh, uh, they're they're fully open. I I would you know not mind doing that as a as a currency per se. But what I also would like to have like I'm a privacy guy, so I, I do like to have other currencies that could take on that privacy part of it. You know, the government says, oh, that's going to you know, create all these uh, uh, corrupt activities and, and all this stuff. But it's um, I, I, I we, we need privacy. So like having that as a part of it, you know, maybe having uh, that we use. But necessarily, we don't we don't have to, you know, use even the fiat currency anymore. So what we could do is just uh, say, like, well, goodbye, government. We don't need you and we don't need the banks. So what we're going to do is we're going to just trade uh 
in between each other instead. And, and we wouldn't need to, you don't necessarily have a third party ever uh, again to uh, either be a custodian or controller because you could actually be the custody holder of your currency and so on. So there's, there's a lot of things around that uh, that is promising, but they're definitely going to come after and try to regulate and tax it. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. But it seems like it seems like the sort of best option at the moment. And I think certainly like, you know, the privacy thing and stuff, you know, there's been an assault on privacy, isn't it? Where, you know, they, they, all, they, they try to use the fact that there'll be people doing the various things as an excuse to go after privacy, isn't it? And I think there's not really, um, like, like listening to, to, to someone who's saying, you know, in terms of in terms of Bitcoin and 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 cryptocurrencies and stuff, that that actually there's there's not this massive issue in terms of um, you know uh, 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 money laundering etc. Because actually these things are you know the the transactions you know you, you can like you just said you can track the transactions that actually that's not a big issue and I think a lot of these things it seems to be almost it's yeah, an excuse isn't it we're coming after the your privacy because it's in your best interest and that's that's why we're in a scenario now where there's there's so little privacy isn't there yeah there's very little privacy but yeah I, again it, it comes down to the the tracking and tracing that they could do with these cryptocurrencies it's uh, uh it, it's another part of like losing losing the privacy the, the thing that would be interesting right now when it comes to privacy it would be to implement a blockchain type of voting system and blockchain tracing on the politicians uh, just as a temporary <laughs> system. And then you would actually track and trace what they <laughs> we voted do on. With and, that, and you would actually, you'd be able to see how they spent the money. Like, okay, I sent money as taxes in crypto to the government. And then uh, you could see exactly where that money was spent. You know, into what account? Like, was it public world? Like, was it roads? Was it uh, healthcare? <laughs> so, not that Absolute, I like I'm yeah. a huge proponent no. of government doing that, but but again, you could implement that to really like put a, a limit on government if you wanted to, uh, as well when it comes to tracking and tracing. Because if you track and trace, if it's fully open the for the government, then they couldn't you know get away with anything. Uh, or, or which would it. be fantastic isn't it because you, you'd you'd i mean you'd obviously be able to spot that you'd be able to see the con corruption there and then but also you'd say you know why do we need this we never wanted this and you're spending money on this etc um and and you, you know hopefully you get to a point wouldn't you where the the the, the tax was actually reasonable for what we all want you know we need roads we need this we need that etc but actually you'd be able to see how it's spent that would be uh um, but I think so, because clearly with, you know, clearly with, with you know, with cash, that's clearly going to be something that they're going to, you know, they're going to phase out, aren't they? So I think from your perspective, you're looking going, right, yeah. crypto is definitely a better place to go than fiat currencies. And I guess, you know, with the, the cryptocurrencies that the central banks are going to try and put put out there, aren't they? Oh, 100%. And actually, like where you live in uh, in England, you know, the Bank of England has their website. It's bankoengland.co.uk slash research slash digital dash currencies. You would actually yeah. see like how they plan to still have the, the banknote system. Uh, but then they, they've been talking about that they need, you know, to have a transition phase, right? So like uh, if they get away with this, they will have a transition phase where they still have cash and coins in circulation. But then 
slowly they'll make that transition over to just bank deposits and 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 true like electronic currency right so uh, there's going to be that transition and that's when when you transit uh, you know and go into that new system there's no more freedom right so like the, the banknotes, even though that they're bad for like they inflate the the currency supply and all that, they're actually good for uh, good for privacy. Uh, and, and you were talking about money laundering too. You know the the money laundering is so minuscule on on crypto because it's uh, almost impossible to hide. So yes. To find you. Yeah, that was. And, the and point. actually, yeah. it's cash that is the big like for for the U.S. dollar. There's three trillion dollars on an annual basis being you know, uh, laundered around the world and in, in, in currency and they can't catch more than like, I think it was 1%. The stats said, it, yeah. it's just like, it, it just shows you that that's the major reason why they want to get rid of, uh, rid of cash is because people can avoid taxes by, you know, uh, uh, me and you doing a deal uh, of some sort, or I am working under the table, like the pay no taxes, just getting paid cash. Right. So, that's the major Absolutely. reason. Like the, it's one is the freedom, you know, take away your freedoms. And the second one is taxation because they want to uh, be able to collect taxes more easily as the government just grows bigger and bigger and more out of control. So, yeah, but these these central bank digital currencies will come and and uh, people said, oh, they're, they're going to be better at Bitcoin. It's like that's a, <laughs> such a terrible lie, even though that Bitcoin <laughs> is fully traceable. Uh, it, it's it's way better to be in something, uh, and it it almost turns into cash uh, at that point. Bitcoin, even though that it's tracked and traceable, it almost turns into that cash because you can actually like just use it and I think uh, without what being a slave do, to the digital system. And I think what they do, John, as well, is they do. It's like with a lot of this stuff that's been going the last eighteen months, it's capitalizing on people's ignorance so for most people they you know they don't really understand cryptocurrency etc so when somebody says to them oh you know we need to put some regulation in for cryptocurrency because we can't you know or all of the you know big criminal gangs are using it for money laundering etc people won't question yeah. that even though the fact the facts tell us something different because if you actually understand the way cryptocurrency work currencies work that's not really the situation but people will tend to believe that because of their ignorance of and i think that there's a lot of that sort of capitalizing on you know i think you know going back to the science where we started and stuff john it's very much uh, uh you know because people don't really understand viruses and the, you know it's like oh well they must know because they're a scientist and they're expert in it and and you get the funny enough just had a text there um john just while we're what from uh, from the nhs um fourth text trying to get me to get the vaccine so uh just just there while we're on the phone oh really yeah yeah just wow. this this moment so yeah even uh, worse uh, actually i had i actually had rogers my uh my network provider do that once to me and then we got an emergency message telling us that like you know the one that they use for tornadoes and stuff here where i live. right uh they actually sent out the <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting <laughs> no but it's yeah it, it, the government has unlimited money uh and currency that they could create so they could just have this propaganda arm going i could just like watching all the ads on the tvs here like on the different channels it's like that costs millions upon millions upon millions of taxpayers money uh, and so they're basically taking money from me and then trying to propagandize me to <laughs> make a choice absolutely and, uh, yeah and i mean you know in the, in yeah. the uk we had you know, with with the whole Brexit thing and with with very, you know, um, 
the last few years there's been sort of austerity um policies by by the government you know whereby you know we've got to save money we've got to reduce the debt etc um you know which, which actually seems you know reasonably sensible with where where we were and now it's all all out the window everybody turned like socialist and communist yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a you know, because it's it's all inverted, isn't it? So right and left and left and right. And it, it's funny, we've got um, you know, it, it it's probably similar. Um, but you know, we we've actually got so the conservative government is historically sort of right wing, but yet they're actually doing lots of left wing things, you know, or, or you know, uh, uh, what would be seen as left wing things. But it's very much it's almost like I mean, you know. China's communist, but it's still, you know, it's almost like a corporate, a corporate sort of communist high hybrid. Corporate fascism. Corporate, corporate fascism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the sort yeah. of that's the new model. And it, it it it's clearly that's the that's the way it's going. So well, we're sort of like wrapping this up now, John. It's been really, really interesting. We've got into loads of different uh different subjects and stuff. What what's um I suppose uh um what what's your sort of take in terms of um you know what what would be the best sort of things for people to do now to sort of you know from from their perspective protect themselves the economy i think we touched upon uh, a few of them what what what's yeah. your uh, what's your take on that yeah the number one thing is t- in today's like the scope of things because everybody's just printing so much currencies to have something of real value. Like when I go and study hyperinflations, uh, the people that actually survive and thrive, especially survive, they had food, they had water, like they had those things available because when inflation really starts to take off, that becomes unsustainable. You can't buy food in the stores, right? Uh, with uh, with bigger inflation, it looks like it might be trickling out and, and starting to come right now from all these policies. Uh, so having real things uh, just for people to even just survive is like having like enough food and water because if you go to the store suddenly and, and suddenly prices start jumping quite a bit and you're still stuck on your salary, your salary is not increasing, you're going to lose a lot of purchasing power. So having some of that, you know, uh, and it's kind of a prepping thing is like always have food and food and water for a certain period of time if you can. Uh, that is always uh, very important. Uh, and with the currency collapse or uh, if they devalue the currency overnight, that's uh, something that you would have to feed yourself because that's the number one. You need to survive and, and the survival is having that. Now, second, if you if you have more money, you know, you could actually put that money into uh, things that could store your value. So, for example, uh, it depends. Uh, you got to really know real estate uh, in order to like put any money into it there's so much speculation right now that especially like in london and in uh, toronto and other biggest cities around the world it's gotten totally insane so uh, you really got to know what you're doing probably some uh, real estate that is cash flowing that you know that you're going to get uh, a set amount uh, back from the rents and so on that is greater than you know whatever the interest rate could go up to if it if it did go up over five years let's say put a term on the uh, on the house and then it went up and then suddenly now it's like not one percent but ten percent uh you have to understand that so that's a lot more risk but uh farmland is a, is a great look at bill gates has bought like a ton of farmland in the united states um so that's another great thing actually having 
some of that that you could then live on during a crisis like that has really like helped uh, places like in Yugoslavia, people that I talked to there uh, and in Venezuela, everywhere that there's been a hyperinflation, even in Germany, people did need to feed themselves. So that's the number one key. Uh, But then also having gold and silver uh, and and that is more of a wealth preservation. So let's say you've saved up a whole bunch of money. You you do have your food. Um, The gold and silver is more like preserving your wealth um when you know the currency suddenly get demolished for example you actually still have that purchasing power that x amount of gold and silver still buys you you know it could still buy you the same amount of goods and services that it did before but if you had like let's say a hundred thousand pounds in in currency suddenly that could overnight be worth only 25 or buy what was uh, before 25 pounds so um, it's it's important to have that as a part of your portfolio. Even on Wall Street, the wealthiest people in the world, uh, they promote to have at least five to ten percent of your of your investment. This is of course not financial advice, but my opinion. But that's what yeah the, their actual financial advice is telling you. And then cryptos, I think, is a great way of kind of like trying to avoid and, and being a part of that uh, that newer system being built on the outside of the banking system. Uh, because they still want their control grid. But having that is really making you a lot more flexible in, in cases where they really implement those central bank digital currencies. It's it's going to be like a separate system, like almost like a black market. Uh, where almost you gives could, you a bit uh, of freedom, do doesn't it? That you would... Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like a freedom, but also a wealth preservation as well on top of that. Uh, so yeah. those are the major things that, that I'm doing personally. Like I have those assets myself so that's what i i would definitely do during uh anything that is crisis right now it's like uh, uh, just a quick story before we go there but there was a lady in venezuela she had a great government paying job at the time uh right before the hyperinflation started they raised like minimum wages six thousand eight thousand percent at a time uh, it just couldn't keep up with uh, the hyperinflation, the destruction of the currency. So she quit her high-paying government job and she went to, on the street to sell coffee and made like, you know, 10 times more. Um, so that just shows you coffee is a real thing, right? And uh, it really shows you like how... Um, how, uh, yeah, we've sort of, of forgotten... Our... Depend on being a fake... Uh, yeah, we how, sort of forgotten... How devastated it can be. Yeah, and it goes back to what you said uh, early on, John, isn't it? It's like you know, commodities actually have a real value, don't they, and stuff. And actually the things that we need, you know, whether that's be, you know, your 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 house, you know, where you live, you know, actually having food on the table and all that kind of stuff, you know, in a crisis, these things become a lot more valuable, don't they, and stuff. And, and I think, you know, with all the craziness that's going on, it sort of is a good idea to, to sort of be at least considering these things, isn't it, really? Oh, 100%. It's, uh, it's, it's more important than ever, actually, like being able to have those things. And, and it's not being like an insane prepper or anything, because this could happen to anybody. Like we think because we live in these Western uh, countries that, you know, we're uh, invulnerable, like we can't be touched by these third world country problems. Uh, and uh, I think that's very dangerous to uh, ignore that anything like this could happen. So uh, it has nothing to do with being a, a, a prepper or anything. It's almost more than, you know, having common sense and just protecting yourself 
against the potential future outcomes that uh, yeah absolutely uh, I mean, if and, and even, down this path they would yeah yeah and and quite a few in terms of of being prepared for these things anyway you know even if it was your own personal job isn't it john you know you get you lose your job it's good to have a load of food in the free in the freezer and be growing your own food because oh, I know. Yeah. you're going to share. Yeah, so so even then you don't have to eat, buy it and you can, yeah, yeah exactly. even the very real sort of like you know um uh, uh you, you know sort of short term risks that, that that could happen. So no, that it, this has been uh, really really interesting, John. Fa- fantastic conversation, and um, I think do you want do you want to leave us with in terms of what um you know links to your um your website um things that you're doing anything that you're involved in at the moment and stuff and then i can obviously put all these links etc um on the podcast as well yeah 100 percent uh you could find me uh several places so my main website it's the economic truth.org uh, and there you can find everything that I'm up to. Uh, you could buy re- different reports that I'm creating, uh, economic reports. Uh, you could also buy my books there. Uh, you could also find my books on online uh, on Amazon. Unfortunately, it's uh, on Amazon as well. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. what do you the, do? The End of Freedom. Yeah, it's The End of Freedom, <laughs> How Our Monetary System Enslaves Us. And it's uh, Canada, the greatest economy in the world, question mark. What's interesting about that book about Canada, they actually, a lot of people that have bought it in other countries say like, well, this is pretty similar to my country. So it's it's worth a read for, especially for uh, UK listeners. I think I have several UK listeners that buy my book, uh, uh, UK people that actually buy my book when... Uh, uh, and, and tell me that, you know, this is pretty similar to the United United Kingdom as well. Um, so do that. And then uh, you could find uh, I'm doing a show with a cryptocurrency financial advisor from the United States. His name is Tim Pichot. And we do a show uh, called the Tim and John Show. And you could find that on Tim and John Show, uh, the Tim and John Show dot com, I believe, or Tim and John Show dot com. I got to uh, look that up. I, I don't remember the actual um, the actual uh, let's see, you know. I'll, I'll check I'll check that out I'll, I'll, I'll check that yeah, out. I didn't, I, yeah so that, but yeah that, that's that's where you can find like we do um we do yeah as I said we do uh, a show uh usually twice uh, twice a month and, and we go really into deep detail on what we just talked about even in further like we just did a piece on on digital currency like central bank digital currencies uh, just recently and so on so yeah definitely worth a check out because tim is uh, such a knowledgeable guy he's almost more knowledgeable than me so uh on a lot of stuff because he's actually in in the in the mix to it uh, you know doing financial like he's a financial planner so he really uh, needs to know how to protect people's money so yeah come and check us out there and and the under uh, the economic truth and um that's how you can find me Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for this, John. It's been fantastic. If, if you were, if email me, um, you know, those links, etc., as well. So I'll put them in the um, uh, the show notes to go with the podcast and stuff. This has been really, really good, John. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks so much for your time. Um, and um, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And I'll let you know once it's launched, etc., so you can uh, check out yourself as well. Perfect. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. You seem to uh, have a lot of understanding of what's going on. So it's it's been a true pleasure talking to you, James. 
which can be a, which can be a, it, 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 it's good but it's also a curse at the moment a little bit isn't it when you're like oh no what's gonna happen today sort of thing. but, but yeah. i'd still rather oh, be definitely. i'd rather be awake than asleep i think on this stuff yeah you know what i uh do you use discord at all uh no no not I have a group that, uh, like, uh, me and Tim, like the Tim and John show, we have our own group on Discord where we talk crypto, we talk uh, COVID, we talk uh, precious metals and, and uh, stuff in general. So if you, if you want to uh, check that out. Uh, oh, I'll will do, yeah. Invite. Yes, please, yeah. yeah. That would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time, John. And uh We'll keep in touch. And yeah, I'll get into the Discord group when you uh, send me the invite. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll Perfect. Send it. Sounds good. You have, a, you have a great evening. And yeah, have a, have a good day, John. Yeah, thank you so much. Cheers. Bye-bye.